Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. And, and, and if you're paying attention, every time we've entered a new venue, I've preached somewhere from this verse. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. And, and it brings clarity as to why we are here, why we exist as a church. We don't need another church in this city. But we do need the gospel to take root. We do need the gospel to take root. So Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to jump right in. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this amazing thing that you're doing. For this amazing opportunity to make your name famous. I thank you that you, you've chosen us to be a part of your plan. To bring love to this city. God, as you're blessing us here at Relevant Church, I want to lift up every Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church in our city. I lift up Harvest Christian Fellowship, the Grove Church, Sandals Church, Magnolia Church, East Hills Community Church, Compass Christian Church, Pathways Church. God, there are so many great churches in our city. We lift up the Baptists, Methodists, Pentecostals, Charismatics, Calvary Chapel. At no time do we see ourselves as being better than anyone. We see ourselves as being a part of your solution to bring love love and justice and redemption to this city. We also lift up our Catholic brothers and sisters, Seventh-day Adventist brothers and sisters, and also especially, Lord, I lift up all those guys that come and knock on my doors and hand me a pamphlet. Uh, I can't remember who they are, but I just lift them up also, that they may, they may find your truth, your grace, and your love, and call upon your name. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone says, amen, amen. Oh, man. You know, you know I, I get into this place where, where I, I've, I've said this before. I'm starting a trend where pastors are honest. Yes, yes. See, see, a lot of times, see, I grew up in a situation where if you're a pastor, you talk differently. Well, hello. How are you, son? God bless you. <laughs> Glory to God. And I used to always wonder, this is a secret, I used to always wonder, do pastors talk like that to their wives? Honey, what's for dinner? Glory to God. <laughs> I'll stop right there. <laughs> but every now and then, like, I, I get to this place where, where I'm stuck in, in a situation in my life, and I need an answer. I need a verse that will directly speak to my situation. I mean, if I go to my iPhone, I'll find an app for life's issues. I'll find an app for anything, an app for, for making your pictures look like you're from Lifestyles of Rich and Famous, find an app for where are you going to eat, find an app for uh, how to make dinner. For, I mean, you find all kinds of apps. And I always wonder, like, God, why can't you make the Bible more like a, an iPhone or like Google? I need a verse for that, a verse for how to be a husband, a pastor, a father, and a homie. Because balancing all those things can be kind of tough. I need a verse to figure out how to, to just navigate through life. I was talking to some, some ladies that were at the house the other day, and, and, and I said, have you ever needed God to speak directly to a situation in your life? And, and they said, yes. I'm like, this week, what were you struggling with? And one person said, I need God to give me a verse on how to deal with crazy parents. And I was like, first and second uh, Americans, chapter one. <laughs> I need a verse to help me figure out how to deal with a, hor a horrible boss. And I was like, there's a movie about it. 
I don't know if you find a verse for that. I need a verse on how, how to figure out, should I date him or should I not date him? And I looked at her and said, listen, if you found him on Craigslist, don't. Not a good idea. But we get into these places where we're like, Jesus, why didn't you speak to the circumstances that I deal with on a day-to-day basis? Why didn't you talk about the issues of life when I'm in trouble? Why can't I just find a verse? And the Spirit told me, the thing is this, that a lot of times we live in this gospel of right now. We want a gospel of today, a gospel that will suit my needs when I'm in the moment, a gospel of my emotional roller coaster. We are really saying, God, I want you to be Oprah or Ellen. And God was like, the, the thing is this, is that if you look at life from the perspective of circumstances only, you will miss eternity. But if you look at life from the perspective of the kingdom of God and eternity being the big thing and the driving force of your life, your circumstances will piece themselves together. If you look at your life from the perspective of the gospel is all that I need, the gospel fills my life, all of a sudden your crazy neighbors, your crazy cousins no longer bother you as much. Amen, somebody. And we go from circumstance to circumstance. Can, can I give you something? I'll tell you a secret. If your happiness and your level of success is based on a promotion on a job, they will fire you, right side you, down side, whatever it is. And you'll find yourself back at not being happy anymore. If your happiness is based on whether or not you've got that person's attention and they notice your new hair, hairdo, You'll find yourself disappointed because guys never notice. That was for free. We have to base our hope, our happiness, our sense of expectation on eternity, on the gospel. And so Jesus, in, John, in Mark chapter 1 verse 14, we get the summary statement of what Jesus taught about. We get the summary statement of all of Jesus' teachings. It says this, it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. He didn't come to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of Galilee. He didn't come to, to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of right now, right here, the gospel of my emotions, the gospel of three steps to a better house, husband, or car, the gospel of, of how to be successful in life. He came with the gospel of God. And there's a difference between my gospel and the gospel of God. Because my gospel wants to know about my best life now. My gospel wants to know about how to, how to be happy now, how to get more square footage in my house. He comes preaching the gospel of, of God. It's not the gospel about God. It's the gospel of God being for you. 
that, that he sends his son, Jesus, to die for you. So Jesus is the gospel of God by coming, and his life, burial, and resurrection is the gospel actuated. You guys with me so far? John 3.16 says it like this. It says, for God so begotten son. That's the gospel of God. The gospel of of God being for you when when everything else in life has been against you. If you would just go back to God is for me, so therefore who can stand against me, I think you'd live life with a little bit less anxiety. I think if you go through life, navigating through life, that greater is he that is in you, the one that that gave you his very same power that rose Christ from the dead, is alive in you. I think you can face your issues, face your Goliaths, see your mountains from a different perspective altogether. He came proclaiming the gospel of God. And and, and the thing is is that sometimes I I have this image in my head that the people 2,000 years ago did not have the 2015 problems. It's because I used to watch Jesus movies. See, I I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. That means I couldn't watch TV on Saturday, okay? But we we had, you know, sneaky ways of still watching movies on Saturday. You had to watch Jesus TV, Nobody else knows what I'm talking about. And and watching Jesus movies kind of painted this picture of the people who used to hang out with Jesus. I didn't like any one of them. Number one, all the guys are wearing dresses. Or bathrobes. A guy who wears a bathrobe all day does not have my problems. At all. And they're always following around Jesus, and they're, they're always talking all, all philosophically and, and soft and poetic, like, Master Rabbi, we had a question for you, with their British accents, even though they're in the Middle East. <laughs> and Jesus would be like, yes. I'm like, I can't relate to those guys. And we have this idea that the old, those people did not have the type of problems that we, we face in life. And the truth is this, is that everyone that would gather around Jesus had credit card problems. They had bad kids that they were trying to raise the right way. They had marriages that were in trouble. They, the people who gather around Jesus, they were, they were in trouble. Dude. They were stressed out, looking the part, looking like they were happy. <sighs> we're here to hear you, Jesus. I hate her guts. Give me something. Give me three steps. To telling her to shut up. <laughs> don't, look, don't look at the person next to you. <laughs> Just keep looking straight at me. <laughs> the same issues that you deal with today were the same questions that these people came with. And Jesus did not address specifically their circumstantial issues. What he addressed was the kingdom of God, the gospel of God. Because if we can get into the kingdom of God, if we can get more of the gospel of God in our lives, all of a sudden I start loving her just a little bit better. All of a sudden my job is nothing more than an occupation that helps me fund the kingdom of God. Amen. 
All of a sudden, the relationships that are difficult are not only for, for, for that person, but they're also to sanctify me and to expose how much more of the kingdom of God I need in my life. Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of God proclaiming that God's God's for us. The good news is that Jesus has risen from the the tomb and it's empty, and so therefore we now have a new way of looking at life. And he says, verse 15 says, the time is fulfilled. These are the words of Christ. The time is fulfilled. One of my favorite words in all of Scripture, the Greek word kairos, which means the unique, specially appointed time within chronological time. The moment when it all comes together. You can't measure that by chronological time. It's a moment. The kairos has been fulfilled. See, the Jews were waiting for this Kairos moment where God would would enter into earth and and bring redemption and bring a kingdom age. And so Jesus comes and announces everything you've been waiting for has been fulfilled in me. Paul says it like this in Galatians. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, the Kairos. Number one, we exist to proclaim the gospel of God. And number two, we exist for the Kairos moments. See, the thing is this is that every one of us in here who call ourselves believers, who call ourselves Christians, had a moment when it all came together. We had a moment where, where, where this stuff that we've been singing about at Christmas time, this Easter thing we've been doing year after year, finally made sense and, and forgiveness entered our lives and transformation entered our lives. And we became worshipers, all because the time was fulfilled personally for us. I was in Australia for a couple of days this week. I'm crazy and jet lagged, so I'm not liable for anything I say this morning. I went there to celebrate a friend of mine who planted a church 20 years ago. And I've learned that if if someone is a little bit further ahead than you and is willing to take time to pour into your life, that's, that's a gift from God. Every time I've been with Mark, he has literally just like opened up my head and just dumped information, transformation into my mind. I, I love people who, who don't, who don't uh, base their lives on their successes, but they're willing to be vulnerable and share their failures. And Mark has been that guy for me. You guys will get to meet him in a couple months. He's coming to visit. And, 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 and yeah, it's going to be amazing. He's kind of like a pirate. Yeah. Car- Carol and Mark know what I'm talking about. So does Janelle. He's, he's literally the crocodile pastor. He says to me, he says, mate, the church is not about a task. The church is about hearts being knit with other hearts. That's how he talks to you one-on-one. <laughs> am, I, am I even exaggerating? Nope. <laughs> Say no. But Mark was telling me about 
how he, he received Christ. And, 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 and at this 20-year anniversary of their church, the guy who led him to the Lord came to be a part of the celebration. And so we had lunch together. We're sitting there at lunch, and I'm asking questions because I want to know all the dirt about Pastor Mark. So I'm like, what was Pastor Mark like when he was a heathen? And Barry, who led him to the Lord, says, well, I shared the gospel with Mark for five years. I would tell him, Jesus loves you. And he would respond with a dirty joke. I would respond, I would say, God sent his son to die for you. And he would say something that you can't say in church, even in Riverside. For five years, he poured and and his life out and shared the gospel with Mark. And Mark did not listen. Five years, chronology. But then one day, Kairos took place. One day, the special moment, the appointed moment of God came about. And Mark went to Barry and says, Barry, mate, tell me about Jesus. Mark says that he, he uh, went to a, <laughs> to a very Pentecostal church. Barry was at a, at a very Pentecostal church. says, take me to your church tonight, mate. And they got there a little bit late, and, and when they got there, they were singing in tongues. You guys don't know anything about that? And Mark was like, shiver me, timbers. I had to learn a different language to be a Christian, a biblical language. And he says, I didn't care. If they had told me do a head st- stand on your head and repeat a prayer, I was willing to do it because the kairos had taken place. We exist to proclaim the gospel of God, and we exist to create an atmosphere so that people who are far away from God can come and have their kairos, can come and experience their moment. We exist, number three, to usher in the kingdom of God. He says, the kairos, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here, but it is not yet. Things aren't in order in our city yet. But the thing is, this is that when when God describes his son Jesus as being Emmanuel, God with us, when you become a Christian, when you turn your life over to God, you become Emmanuel people. You become God with us to Riverside. You become God with us to Moreno Valley. You become God with us on your job, at your school, at your restaurant, wherever it is. You are the Emmanuel, the tangible presence of the kingdom of God being ushered in to our city. Because the kingdom of God is taking habitation in places where they said that church could not take habitation. We are here. Because the kingdom of God is all about including those who've been excluded. The kingdom of God is about accepting those who've been rejected. The kingdom of God is about reaching those who have yet to be reached. The kingdom of God is at hand. I wonder what kind of priorities you'd live your life with if you just lived your life knowing, I bring the kingdom wherever I go. I bring the kingdom to my hostile work environment. The reason why it's hostile is only evidence that they need the gospel. Maybe, perhaps, 
perhaps your job is your mission station. Those of you who are, who are in positions of, of managerial positions, perhaps, perhaps that's where you're, you're supposed to be pastoring. You bring the kingdom of God. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Matt, a lot of people don't like to talk about repentance. You can go to church for 20 years and, and sometimes never hear the word repent. It's as if it's another four-letter word. You hear all about believing. Oh, you just got to believe. You just got to believe. Keep believing. Yeah, I, I'm a believer or a believer. I don't know. God says, he sent his son to proclaim the kingdom of, to proclaim the gospel of God, to announce that the time has been fulfilled, to let the people know that the kingdom of God is at hand. But those realities are nothing if there's no response. And the response that, that, that God gives us is not a multiple choice. You get to pick uh, your own adventure type of uh, a response. The response to the kingdom of God, the response to the gospel of God is simple. You repent and believe in the gospel. Repenting is what you're turning from and believing is who you're turning to. Repenting is what you're turning from. Believing is who you're turning to. The thing is this, is that you cannot turn to God, but not turn from that. And every one of us has a that. The thing is this, is that a lot of times, what we're coming from becomes bigger than who we're turning to. The Greek puts repent and believe in the gospel in the present imperative which means repenting and believing in the gospel Joshua is not something you did in 2004 when you went to Calvary Chapel or the Harvest Crusade repenting and believing in the gospel is a present imperative in that as I walk with Jesus I am constantly turning from my life and beholding him turning from my stuff and beholding him constantly walking this life of repenting and believing in him it is a constant thing. See, I, I meet a lot of Christians who, 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 who say, you know what, I've just gotten, gotten disillusioned with the, with the whole church thing. You know, I just, you know, I just, you know, I'm kind of mad with God because he hasn't been faithful. And then the question becomes, well, what gospel did you believe? There's a dear sister of mine I won't mention her name, Janelle Espling. Um, I have preacher's Tourette's. I just say things sometimes. <laughs> but I remember Janelle was serving in our children's ministry. She was our first children's ministry uh, director here at Relevant. While she was doing children's ministry, she was also pursuing her master's degree. She was also trying to maintain a full-time job. She was also trying to maintain a second part-time job because that's how you do to survive in California sometimes. Amen, somebody? 
and serving God faithfully in the church. And in and, 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 and one month, she had a, 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 her grandmother pass away. And then also a child that she was taking care of pass away. Within one month, uh, the, the hopes of going abroad to study were dashed. And, and it seemed as if her academic career was, was kind of like in a, in a, in a fog. And, and she came up to me and said, you know what? I'm really angry with God. He's, he doesn't seem to be faithful. And I try to find a good Max Lucado quote that I've stored deep in my heart for moments like this where you kind of, when people come with their problems, you just say, well, you know, I heard someone say that trust the Lord always and in every way uh, continue to go to Burger King. I don't know. I found myself in, 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 in a stop and, and, and the Spirit of God said, ask her this question. Which part of the gospel did you stop believing? A lot of times when we're in this situation where we're just kind of like, I don't understand what's happening in my life, and you're stuck, and you're just kind of like, God, this doesn't make sense. Are you really there? What you need to ask yourself, what do you need to repent from, and who do you need to turn to? Repent and believe in the gospel constantly. That's the walk of a believer. And the thing about church is that a lot of times you have people who are in a different phase of repenting and believing in the gospel. Come on, somebody. Everybody's in a different place. And the thing is this, that a lot of times we want everyone to be at the same place that I'm at. The sanctified, holy Jonathan Belima version of sanctification and believing in the gospel. Where you can say some Greek words here and there and, and quote from, uh, I won't even say the name. And the truth about the community of faith is that Johnny is in one stage of repenting and believing in the gospel. And Tommy's in a different place of repenting and believing in the gospel. And Patrick is in a different stage of repenting and believing in the gospel. And, 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 and Angelina is in a different place of repenting and believing in the gospel. And we can't look at each other and say, you need to catch up to my place. We need to look at each other and say, keep going, brother. Wherever God has you, keep pursuing. Keep going for him. We're all in the same journey of repenting, turning from our past, and believing in Jesus. Amen, somebody. That's the walk of faith. See, I'm tired of a Christianity where, where we try to find people who are like us and bring them to our church to become more like us. To vote like us. To quote the same writers like us. kingdom of God is about including those who have been excluded. And that whole process is grimy. It can be messy. But there's no grace where everybody's clean. Ooh, that was good. There's no grace needed where everyone is perfect. Next week is the big week, the big Sunday. There's three things about everyone that you know in your life. Number one, everyone that you know, whether they claim to be atheist or Catholic cool, 
everybody wants God. The Bible says that he has placed eternity in the heart of all mankind. Everybody wants God. Number two, everybody wants a deep, meaningful experience with God. Not a hollow spirituality based on rituals. I've met many people who can do all the sign language, say all the right words, but they want the real thing in their heart. And number three, everyone that you know wants to know what the next step is. How do I draw near to God? I challenge you to be a disciple maker. To be a bringer, not just an inviter. Be a bringer. Bring them into the house of God. Because we're going to proclaim the gospel of God. We're going to create an environment where moments, where the Kairos moment can take place. We're going to preach about the kingdom of God, amen. And then we're going to call them to a response of repenting and believing in the gospel. And when they repent and believe in the gospel, we're going to walk with them as they continue to repent and believe in the gospel. Amen. I'll end with this. I, I received an email this week that kind of puts it all together. This person writes, Hi, Jonathan. I did not grow up with the Bible or Bible teachings. The closest thing was our prayer that we used to say at bedtime when I was five or six. It's one I'm sure you know. Now I lay me down to sleep. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is that this is all new to me. It's like I was just dropped into some foreign country, and I don't know the language or the customs. The Bible has always seemed to me like it was written in some strange language. But from the first day I walked into Relevant and heard you speak, it was as if you were a translator that I'd been waiting for. You made the words make sense to me, and I love what I'm hearing. Most of the people I've met or know who say that they are Christians, seem to be arrogant, unemphatic to those who are in need, but relevant. And my family here now not only talk the talk, but they really seem to walk the walk. Although I've never been religious, I've always thought that our purpose in life is to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. That's how I've tried to live my life, and I'll continue to live and follow that basic principle. I really feel like I found a special place here. And every week I feel more and more like it's home. I've always felt like something was missing in my life. I tried to fill that void by relying on other people to hold me up. That wasn't working so well because when my wife left me, I felt like I was lost forever. But then I found relevant and now I'm beginning to feel like that empty hole in my life is slowly being filled. And it all started with a flyer that I got in the mail with the words, no perfect people allowed. That really hit me because all the people I know who tell me that they're Christians sure talk like they're perfect. And just because they go to church, they're holding on to the golden road to heaven. Like they have nothing more to do than just accept Jesus as their Savior and the door is just open to them. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling, but the main reason I'm writing is to say I was never baptized, and I feel as if it would be an honor 
if you'd agree to baptize me in the next coming baptism. We exist. We are here to proclaim the gospel of God. To let people have a moment, a Kairos moment. To usher in the kingdom of God to places where they said that the kingdom of God does not belong. To bring the kingdom of God to those who are never invited before. We're here to bring people to a response where they believe in the gospel and repent and walk out a life of obedience with other believers. This is the power and the commission that God places in our hands. If you're with me, I invite you to, to make this venue not a venue that will be a, an, a, a monument to ourselves, but may we open up our hearts to find those who are searching. Amen? Are you with me? Are you with me, church? We're going to worship some more. We're going to take communion together. I think it's important that on this first Sunday here as a family, we get to take communion together. Is that okay with you? To remember the blood that was spilled. To remember the body that was given for our sins. I'm going to ask Matt and the team to come and lead us in worship one more time. I'm going to ask Pastor Scott to come up and lead us in a time of communion. And then the team has a special song for you on our way out. Matt, can you, let's not start at the chorus. Give us one verse. Is that okay with you? See, I'm a demanding pastor. I tell them, like, they weren't even prepared for that. It's okay because I repent and I believe in the gospel and we move on. Thank you. 